Grab a Bible, get it in your hands, hold it really close, okay? Hold it really close. What a precious thing that we have, this, this Word of God. Uh, we're going to continue in our series, Doctrine, Knowing Who God Is Defines Who I Am. And uh, we've just sung about an awesome God. <laughs> an awesome, awesome God. And I'm so grateful for Him. And uh, I just want you to know, as you hold the Word of God, right, we are blessed to know God's plan of salvation, right? I mean, he laid it all out for us in a love letter that he wrote to us. And we are blessed to know God's plan of salvation. All right, write that down. Go ahead, open your Bible. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to keep going in our series. What a privilege, but what a responsibility that we have right here in our hands. What a blessing. We are blessed to know through God's loving word that God made a plan in the plan of salvation. Today, the title of the message is The Salvation of Man. Last week, the sin of man. This week, the salvation of man. Much better topic. <laughs> Let us read it, uh, our passage here in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, And you were dead in the trespasses in sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Satan's at work. His demons are at work among whom we all, might want to circle that in your Bible, that's going to include you, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind. Did everything my body wanted to do. I did everything my mind could think. And were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God... Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Woo! <laughs> you can shout. It's okay. I know it's sacred, the reading of God's Word, but man, you could shout on that one. By grace you have been saved. This is amazing. And He raised us up with Him, Christ. And He seated us with Him, Christ, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, there is a future. There is an eternal life. There is something coming, in case you haven't figured that out yet. Death isn't the end. He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness towards us. Us. Jews and Gentiles. Us. That He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. No pride. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What a great passage. I don't know if there's many passages I'd rather read than that. Maybe John 3.16. For God so loved the world, it's us, right? That he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, Jesus, will not perish, not going to die, but have everlasting or eternal life. This is the gospel. This is the word of God about this gift called salvation. It's simple. It's pretty easy. You just read it. It's clear. But salvation is complex too. And I'm going to try to boil it down for you, try to make it as easy as possible because we can kind of get lost in the complexity of it as well and try to overthink it. Let's just start with this. Okay, three points today. Here's the first one. We got to come back to this. I know we preached on it last week, but it has to be stated again. I was dead in sin. Now I'm saying it the way I would say it as a believer in Jesus Christ. I was dead in sin. Now if you're not a believer in Christ, you could just change that a little bit. You could say I am dead in sin. You got to remember that you, I, were born sinners. It was by nature, right? It was passed on through Adam. And through Adam, we all have sinned. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're no longer reflecting the glory. Remember the mirror? Yeah, you remember. I do too. <laughs> Bad idea. But I want you to, maybe you should just close your eyes. I don't, I don't want to give you a visual picture that detracts from God, but I just think this picture kind of helps me. But you're going to have to battle a little bit, right? Because you can kind of go off to like movies or other things and you can kind of like have weird images in your head. You've got to really use some self-discipline now as you visualize this. I want, I want you to visualize you. You looked in the mirror before? Visualize you. It's a bit morbid. I know we're talking spiritually, but maybe a physical picture will help you. I want you to visualize you dead. Maybe you have to open the coffin and you peer in and it's you. There you are. Not looking all that colorful anymore. The word mummy comes to mind. Again, I don't want you to run off into movies you've seen or, or maybe in our day, maybe the word zombie Wearing grave clothes, sheets, and just kind of bleh, walking through life, going through the motions, but dead. 
following the course of this world. You might just say to yourself or think to yourself as you're visualizing, like, how have I followed the world? How have I followed the prince of this world, Satan? How have I been disobedient to God's law? Why am I dead right now? And it feels gross, and it looks gross, and it is gross, and I have lived in the passions of my flesh. Can you see the pride, the greed, the anger? Have you lied, stolen, cheated? I think a couple big ones that make me really feel the weight of my death, my sin, is sexual immorality. Seems to be a theme throughout the Bible and idolatry. Whether it's physical or in my mind, Satan just keeps attacking that sexual morality, doesn't he? Idolatry the same. Satan keeps telling me that this would be better than God. This will be better. And so I see myself and I'm dead. I'm dead. Question is, do I believe that to be true? If you're having a hard time visualizing yourself as dead to sin, dead in sin, dead to God, separated from Him, then you're going to have a hard time with the next two points as well. But I want you just to take a second and I want you to really get your mind around it. Do I believe sin is my problem? We spent 50 minutes on it last week. If you were here, you've got to fulfill, right? But it boiled down to one question. Do I believe sin is my problem? If I do, then this next thing's going to be awesome. Here it is. But God made me alive. But God made me alive. Let me read it for you. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Why was God rich in mercy? Why did he have a lot of mercy? Why was he like dropping dimes with mercy, right? Why was he doing that? It's like, why was God so wealthy when it comes to mercy? Because his character is love. He loves you. No matter if you went off and messed up your life, no matter if you did this or that, or were born a sinner like we all were, God still and always will love you. And that's what makes him rich in mercy. Mercy is God not punishing you as your sin deserves. I don't deserve to be a pastor. Don't. My sin and punishment demands that I wouldn't even be a pastor. But God, His mercy allows me to stand before you and proclaim the Word of God. And it's the same mercy that allows you to go into work tomorrow and say whatever you want to say about Jesus Christ and what He's done in your life. 
Who are you? You think you're better than me? No, no, I don't, I don't. There's this mercy thing that God did. He didn't give me what I deserved. I don't deserve to talk right now, but he's letting me. And then grace. Even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, right? He made us alive together with Christ. This is a kind of parenthesis. By grace you have been saved. He let it out of the bag just a little quick. And then he's like, ah, I'm going to get to the real verse later. By grace you're saved. Whoa, hold on. Wait. Wait for it. Grace is unmerited favor. It's God blessing us despite the fact that we don't deserve it. It's extended kindness to the unworthy. I don't deserve it, but God said, I love you. I'm not going to give you what you do deserve. That's mercy. And I am going to give you what you don't deserve. That's grace. And this is all God's kindness towards you. It's pretty awesome what God's done. Made me alive, raised me up, seated me with Christ Jesus, seated me in heaven. You're like, well, I'm right here, seated in Kellogg Middle School. How did that happen? Again, we're talking about something spiritual, right? You're raised spiritually. The moment you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, your soul raised spiritually. Breath back into it. And you are seated positionally, not practically, because you're seated right here, Brianna, but you're seated positionally, right? With Christ, in Christ, at the right hand of the Father. Can't wait to realize that. It's going to be awesome. Literally, he saved me. He rescued me. I, I don't know if you've ever seen somebody drowned. I hope not. It's not very fun. Um, I've seen people choke. I've seen, you know, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody drown, but you know, you kind of like see it on the movies or whatever. So it's like this guy's like, you know, in the water, upside down, not breathing, not moving. And somebody grabs him right from behind and they drag him out and they set him on the, we'll go with beach. It seems cooler than cement pool. Okay. We're going to go to the beach. So you're like, why are you laughing? It's like, he's dying. There's some gravity to that, right? And, and you get him out on the beach and what if you just walk away? I saved him. He's not in the water anymore. We're good, right? We're not good. He's not good. Breathe some life, right? You're going to have to resuscitate him. kind of feel like that's how I was born. On the beach, dead as a doornail, just needing some life back into me. I needed to be rescued. I needed to be saved. I needed to be resuscitated. Maybe you came to church today and you're like, yeah, I'm in church. Isn't that pretty good? That's good, right? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we're all going to say that's good. But that doesn't save you. You might be on the beach, but if you're not breathing spiritually, if you're not born again, you're still dead. Even if you're in the right spot, out of the world, away from the sea of this sin. He rescued me. He saved me. How did he do that? 
right? There has to be kind of like something he did or I had to do something. And has anybody told you that you had to do something to be saved? Yeah, a few things. Has anybody told you that God had to do some things for you to be saved? Yeah, a few things. When you walked in, okay, I gave you 10 steps of salvation, courtesy of Wayne Grudem and... Trent Griffith, another preacher in the Harvest uh, Network. Um, these are 10 steps of salvation. Now, I can't preach 10 things on salvation. I can't, I can't possibly get to all this and do it justice. Um, but I wanted to print it out for you so you could have it, okay? So you have it in your hand. You're like, oh, I understand theologically what salvation's all about, right? It's election, right? God chose. It's common grace. God's given grace to everyone, right? Why are people driving down the street today? Why aren't they, like, dead? That's God's grace to them, right? And it's for everyone, whether saved or not, right? Some common grace. There is saving grace, and we can get to that. There's a gospel call. I'm kind of doing that right now, speaking, proclaiming. There's regeneration. Regeneration is to be born again, right? It's a rebirth. Nicodemus was so confused by that. Like, how can I be born again? Do I enter my mom's womb? You're like, no, shut up, right? Jesus is so much nicer than me. He's like, well, it's kind of like this, man. <laughs> the wind blows and the, you know, the, the Holy Spirit has to do this. I would have been so not gentle with him. Thank you that Jesus is gentle with us. You go read John 3. It's all about that. And then conversion, right? Conversion is faith and repentance. It's the moment you believe it and you say, I'm a sinner, I need it. And then justification, declared righteous, adoption, a member of the family, right? Into the body, right? It's kind of weird because when you think member, we talk about membership some, you know, and you're like, well, I want to be a member. It's like, well, you really already are, if you're saved, adopted into the family, right? It's only because of the sick world we live in that we have to have some kind of like legal binding agreement, like some, some kind of like, hey, we're all believing the same thing, right? Yeah, right. Okay. We're all protecting the church. Yeah, yeah, right. It's like, do you think they had that in Acts? Hey, sign right here that you're, no. They got baptized and they were like added to the church. They were adopted. Boom. And then sanctification, the ongoing process of God setting a disciple apart. And then perseverance. You know what? John's very clear about this in 1 John. He says, they were not of us because they went out from us. You can't leave salvation behind. You can't be saved and then walk out. You can't lose your salvation, but if you decide to turn your back on God, what you're telling the world is, I never was saved anyway. That's what you're saying. Because part of salvation is the perseverance of a person who's saved, right? Once saved, always saved. And then glorification. One day in heaven, face to face with God. Now, that's great, and 10 things, and it's awesome, and 10 steps, and... You're like, that's cool. Well, let me boil it down to you. Okay, Carly, you ready? There's an order to salvation. 
I gave you 10 steps. That's great. I'm not God. So there's maybe like 21 and I didn't know it. That's fine. Like, but from what we could see in scripture, there's 10 steps. Okay. And there's an order of salvation. And I want to boil it down for you. So let me throw up there Romans 8, 29 and, and 30. So, hey, did anybody read Romans 6, 7 and 8? I kind of gave that as assignment last week. Like, hey, you should go read it. Did you do that? Awesome job. Yeah, you have. Great. Awesome. So Romans 6, 7, 8. If you haven't read it, go read it. It's amazing on sin and salvation. It's great. But uh, here's what it says at the back of Romans 8. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. The son is Jesus, right? In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. You're going to be a brother and sister with Christ. It's pretty, pretty astounding what God does. Okay? And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Do you see that? It's kind of building. There's an order of salvation. God's like, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like this. If you keep reading, he's like, who did God justify? Who's an elect? And he goes on to it, okay? You can read that for yourself. But I want to give you um, this illustration. Boil it down. Break it down for me, right? Boil it down. So here it is. Okay, so right here, right? So you have this. This is called salvation. Everybody good with that? Salvation. It's big. I don't know if I could, like if this was all filled with paper, you still wouldn't read it dry, right? I mean, this is, it's crazy, all right? Now, this is salvation, all right? Everybody got that? Four things, okay? Got that? Four things. So this whole thing is salvation. That's what we're talking about today. But there's four things here that I think you can boil salvation down to, okay? Election justification, sanctification, and glorification. If you could get just these four down, you'd have a good view of salvation. Because a lot of people say, are you saved? Ryan, did you get saved? And Ryan would say, yes, I did. And I said, well, when did you get saved? And Ryan would say, date, got one? No? Okay. So I know we got baptized here, right? So I know there was a time period. A, a play, we were in small group around the time you got saved. And I remember that. And so there's a time period or a, a, a kind of like, hey, something happened here in this time. And then I got baptized to show that I'm his, right? Sometimes when we say salvation, what we're saying is the moment of salvation, the point where I was declared righteous. Like I say, January 15th, 1992. That's when I was saved, Right? Well, that's when I heard the gospel call, right? That's when regeneration happened. I was born again. The Spirit came inside of me. He breathed new life in me, right? That's when I was justified, declared righteous. That's when I was adopted into the family. So there's a, a bunch of those categories right there in the middle. Uh, gospel call, regeneration, conversion, justification, adoption, kind of all happening, boom, right there in the same time. I'm throwing a word on it. I'm throwing a justification because that's God's part. He declares you righteous. Boil it down to these four words and maybe you can have a good picture of salvation. Election's the hardest one. I was talking to Bill, the janitor, today about that. I'm like, ah. Remember a couple weeks ago I said, uh, uh, God's sovereignty and the free will of man are so 
crazy deep, right? That my mind can't, can't comprehend it. And those two lines, if you want to follow those two lines, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. These two lines intersect in one place and it's the mind of God, not my mind. I can't figure it out, but he's got it, okay? Election is God choosing me without my permission, right? God, you can choose me today. It'd be okay with me. God was like, no. This was before you were ever created. God chose. That baffles some people because they're like, how can a loving God choose some people because then he's not choosing other people? And I just want to say this again, okay? I've said this a bunch of times, but I want to say this again. I think you're looking at the wrong issue. The issue isn't, why didn't God save some? The issue is, why did he save any at all? That's not fair that I'm saved. You're not complaining about that, right? This is, this is not fair that I get to be here, saved by God's grace. That's not fair. God's mercy allowed that. God's grace allowed that. Somehow he chose, and it's not by works that's clear in our passage. Then this, justification. God declares me righteous. It's a legal term. It's like the gavel goes down, and instead of me having to die for my sin, he, Jesus steps in, and he dies for me. There still has to be a punishment for the sin. The judge still needs to put somebody in jail. Do you know what I'm saying? But it ain't me. Somehow, some way, Jesus steps in. He takes the whole punishment for me. It's astounding. When does this happen? Let me just say this. When I ask him by faith, I am justified. Okay? So conversion experience, it includes repentance of sin and faith in Jesus Christ. I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, to glory of God the Father, right? I believe in my heart that God rose Jesus from the dead. It's faith and it's repentance. It's conversion. And then this, sanctification. God refines my character as I walk with him. You could use the word abide with him, as I live with him, as I rest in him. You could use a bunch of different words. Walks in the passage. God refines my character as I walk with him. As I read the word, as I pray and ask God, what's my assignment today? What's my mission? I want to be a messenger for you, just like the angels that are in your throne room. Have you ever just visualized being in the throne room? Read the passages in the scripture, and you're like, the angels must be like, what today, God? Right? Okay, I got it, God. Right? Is that how we live our life? All right, I'm here, God. What today, God? And he tells you in his word how you're supposed to act, how you're supposed to live. And if you're lucky, he'll whisper or nudge you to do something or talk to somebody, right? And that'd be awesome too. I believe he could do that. I just want to be a messenger for him today. I just want to do what he says to do today. I wrote this down. Maybe this is a good time to ask it. What does God want with your life? I remember being in 10th, 11th grade, right after I accepted Christ, and I remember just 
being obsessed with the will of God and what does God want for me to do with my life? What is God want for me? I remember just like always wanting to know the will of God in my life and what's God's will and what's God's will and what's God's will. And uh, not to oversimplify it, but God's will is in God's word. <laughs> I wish somebody would have told me that at 10th grade. It would have saved me a lot of angst. What's God's plan for my life? Question. Have you ever asked him? Have you ever rolled up to him in prayer and just said, God, what's the, what's the plan? What's the plan today? What's the plan this life? So I think you gotta ask God. God, what's your plan? And I think we are blessed to know God's plan of salvation. That's what we're blessed with. We know God has a plan to save us. That we know. This last thing, glorification, can't wait for that. God restores me, unhindered by sin again, right? Back to reflecting. Uh, remember the mirror? I just got a little piece here. Like, right? God restores me to a reflector, so I'm reflecting him. Um, I'm just thinking as I'm worshiping over here, like bowling, right? And I'm just thinking as I'm worshiping, I'm just, I'm just reflecting God's glory. I'm just pointing people to him. I'm just like, God, your will be done in this place today for your glory today. We just reflect his glory. To worship him, right? Free from sin, that's what we'll be someday. Salvation, it's all these things. It's not just one of them. It's all of them. You've got the 10 now. You can go study those on your own. I've given you a, a picture of the four, Right? So when does this happen in the mind of God? When does this happen in the mind of God? When does this happen in the mind of God? When does this happen in the mind of God? When? Wrong thought process. God's not bound by time. It's all together for God. For us, we're trying to parse it. We're trying to get it right and well maybe this needs to happen first and then I need to be baptized and then this and then I gotta it's not by works but I will say this for by grace you have been saved through faith right it's a gift of God not of works lest anyone should boast now look at the rest of it here Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let me read it for you again. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I don't know how that changes what your pastor or priest or whatever person in spiritual authority said to you at whatever age they said it. I don't know how that changes it, but I know it should change it. Because God's word is the authority, not some guy. Not me. Just that. Got it? Take this for what it says. Filter everything else by this. Don't do the opposite. 
Don't take, well, my pastor said when I was, my priest said when I was, and then try to filter the Bible by what he said. That's upside down. Take this right here, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You can never say, I did it. I made it. I was born into a Christian family. Look at me. I've gone on record as saying, if not for sin, I would have still been lost in a Christian family. If not for gross, consistent, progressing sin, I wouldn't even know I was a sinner because I thought it was so good because I went to church. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I am saved by faith so I can walk or live by faith. Now I live by faith. Write that down. Now I live by faith. So if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but God made me alive, if that's true, now I live by faith. And the word he uses here for your life is uh, workmanship, okay? This is a work of art. This is a masterpiece, right? You're like, really? <laughs> I'm not even sure what this is. Tell you the truth. Is it upside down? Could be. It might be. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> but it's the best illustration I had. When God's doing something in your life, He's making a masterpiece, right? When you come to Him in salvation, when you come to Him by grace through faith, He's now making something that doesn't look all that great. And he's like, boom, there it is. This is what I've been working on. This is how it's supposed to look. This is how it's supposed to function. This is how it's supposed to reflect my glory. That's it. Created. He created you. If you don't believe that, you're going to have a hard time with salvation. In Christ Jesus, for good works, so their good works are coming, right? I'm saved not by good works, but I'm saved for good works. I'm saved so that I might show others what's happened. James 2 is a really good place to go for this. James 2, I think it's verse 14 through 26. Write it down. Give you an assignment to read this week, right? James 2, 14 through 26. And James is going off about like, Faith and works, and faith and works, and faith and works. Yeah, faith leads you to works. That's what happens. So if you're like, man, but I'm not working. I'm not working for Christ. Then that ought to tell you something. And this isn't like a beat you up fast, twist your arm, get you to work in children's ministry with the toddlers. That's not this. But I find it a joy to come and serve you and preach the word on Sunday. And if it wasn't this, I'd find it a joy to go be with the toddlers on Sunday morning. I would. Why? Because I got faith. It's in me. These guys that go out and stand in the cold, I'm like, you're crazy. And they're like, let's go. Why? Because they got faith. That their nose isn't going to fall off. And use a little wisdom too. Put some clothes on, right? 
Guys, we get it all screwed up when we think I'll work my way and to be good enough to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior and then I'll sit in church. No, 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 no. I'll sit in church and hear what you have to say and when God uses that effective call, that gospel call to awaken my eyes to see that sin is the issue and that Jesus is the answer And when I realized that that's really what God did and he did it for me, he chose me, what? Bill's like, I couldn't walk for three days. I mean, that's kind of how it hits you. You're like, me? Why not somebody else? It's more deserving. It's better. Looking or intelligent, more intelligent. I don't know, see how I did that? Intelligence. Like, why me? And when that happens and you get wrecked by God's doing something for you that you could never do and how important it is because it's for eternity, you will serve him with every ounce of your body, soul, mind, and spirit. You will be like, I am all in. Vikings at four, who cares? Who needs Jesus today? Who needs a warm place to stay today? Who needs something other than that? I mean, that's great entertainment, and I'd love to watch. But I have a small group. just happens. We're not canceling, because we want to do life together. So TiVo that thing, and enjoy it later. I'm off my rant. Our theme verse for the year is this, Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 6. And right before this, I want to I just read a couple verses right before this. This is what Ephesians, uh, are, uh, Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their condemnation. By faith we, I have that circled in my Bible, we, the third word of the third verse, By faith, we, that's believers in Jesus Christ, we are the first person mentioned in the hall of faith. Just just take that to the bank. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Poof, and there it was. And without faith... It is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. See, walking in faith, this thing I'm doing after salvation, or in salvation, sanctification, until glorification, just to get it right. This this thing I'm doing, it's a faith journey just like stepping across that justification line, right? Some of you guys need to ask Jesus Christ to save you today and you're gonna be justified and it's gonna be awesome. But you know what? I'm going through just as much as you are right now because I'm trying to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. I'll use Matt for an example. Matt's not here today. He's at home. Um, he blew out his Achilles tendon this week playing basketball. That's a pretty severe injury. He was at work all week. I'm not, I'm not lying. I mean, he was, he was there. But that's probably why he's not here today. And you go, 
well, he should just have faith. Yeah, we all need faith in that moment. But you know how hard it is in the moment that you need faith to see the whole thing? Take it back to me. Uh, I was in college playing basketball and, and I, had, uh, I blew up my knee. ACL tear, ACL reconstruction. I was so angry at God. I was a baby Christian just like four, three, four years in and I wasn't reading my Bible so I had no footing. I was so angry at God. God, why would you do this to me? And you know, shaking your fist and you're just like, what's going on? You ever had a trial like that? Maybe you're in one right now. But see, years later, you look back at that and you go, if not for that, I wouldn't walk with the limp and I wouldn't trust God and I wouldn't live by faith. I would live by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. It's not like, oh, that looks right. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. We walk by faith no matter what happens. Knee surgery, whatever it is, we walk by faith. That's what God wants for me. This is what I need from him right now. This trial that you're under right now, it's what you need. It's what he has for you. So that he might work in you a great, awesome salvation. Let me close with this. We are blessed when we accept God's gift of salvation. Hey, we're blessed to know it. Don't get me wrong. We're blessed to know God's plan of salvation. That's for sure. We're blessed. If you're here and you've heard the salvation for the first time, that, that you confess your sins and, and repent and you believe Jesus Christ by faith, if you, if you, if you believe that, that's, that's an amazing thing. To know that is awesome. But we are really, really blessed, okay? This is just the end of it all. We are blessed when we accept God's gift of salvation. To know it's one thing, it's here. To accept, accept it's another thing, it's here. I call it 18 inches from hell. Right? I knew Jesus Christ was Jesus. I knew God was God. I grew up in a church. I went. I was in Sunday school. It was amazing. But I didn't believe it in my heart. I knew it with my head. And you're blessed to know it. You are, because there's some people that don't know it. But knowing it's not enough, when you accept Jesus Christ by faith, you are realizing the salvation that God has already planned for you. You really do have to accept something. And so I've been thinking about that this week. Accept something, accept something. What could we accept? And, you know, accept Jesus into your heart. It's invisible. <laughs> well, it will become visible, trust me. Just not today. I've been thinking about this and thinking about this and I want you to understand, and I've spent all this hour trying to say this, that salvation's bigger than this moment right now. It is. But, but, the gospel call that you're hearing right now and your response in repentance and faith is vital to salvation. Without it, it's one of the ten things, without it, there's no salvation. So I'm going to ask you to 
bow your head. Maybe pack up your stuff so you're not distracted. And I want you to, again, just visualize you and God. Where do you stand with Him? Realize that salvation is a process that requires a point of decision. God chose that you would be here today, and you got up and came to church today. Good choice. Now will you listen to and heed the call that God has placed on your life today? Will you respond to Him in saving faith? I think a lot of people, when they want that, they're like, how? How do I get that? Well, let me just pray with you. And if you would just pray these words to yourself as I'm praying them out loud. If you mean it in your heart, confess it with your mouth. You might just pray it out loud. That's fine too. Father God, I'm clearly a sinner. And I've tried to do things my own way. Please, please forgive me. Cover my sin with the blood of Jesus Christ. I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I know that He paid the price for my sin. Thank you, Father, for declaring me righteous today. I want to reflect your glory. I want to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. All because of Jesus. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today to accept the gift of salvation, I want to give you an opportunity to make it public. Because I think if you have faith to believe in your heart, then you have faith to believe visibly too. You can make it visible. I don't do this all the time, but I want to do it today. I've got pieces of a mirror to remind you that you reflect God's glory. And if you accepted Jesus Christ just then, just now, right now, maybe that was your point in time. You're like, ah, well, maybe I, when I, well, infant baptized, maybe I don't know, confirmed. I, you got to have a point. You got to have a decision, right? Respond to a call in faith and repentance. So accepting something, would you, would you accept just a, a little gift? If you would, while we sing, no big deal, not a spectacle at all. We're all going to be like cheering inside for you. But just come down and grab one of these mirrors and let that be you saying, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior today. And I want to be reminded to reflect his glory. Put this on your dresser, put it in your pocket, whatever, and just be reminded that you made a decision and that salvation is working now in you. 